right, what is, what is everyone? <laughs> it's too early for this interview. <laughs> What's going on, guys? This is Jordan from the Undergraduate Survival Guide. Today, we have a very special guest, a fellow entrepreneur back in the school days, a fellow engineer, St. Mark's specialist, Carl, my guy. What's How's up? It going? It's been a yeah. long time coming, this yeah. interview. It has, it has. We've been talking about this for a little while now, haven't we? Yeah, man. Finally got something in a diary. It's a, it's a busy one on a, on a Saturday lockdown afternoon with uh, not much going on outside. Honestly, yeah. How have you found the lockdown, the second one? I feel like I've been uh, way more relaxed than the first. Yeah, it really has. Like, I don't think, I mean, realistically, first lockdown was everyone stay in your house. This one's more like stay in your house, but you can go out if you want to go out. And yeah, I think people are taking advantage of the go out if you want to go out. You can do unlimited exercise in it, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. I was like driving to Cardiff the other day doing star jumps in my car just to make sure I was doing that. <laughs> <laughs> to make sure you don't get in trouble, uh, the police and that. <laughs> no, I haven't been anywhere, I'm joking. But I, I feel like, like I know a lot of people who have, and my neighbours were literally having a party the other day. I was like, what the, what the hell is going on next door? Like, <laughs> I mean, realistically, I think. And it was always a, it was always an issue or it was always a possibility of an issue that it's what they call lockdown fatigue where there's only so much. So there's only a certain amount of time where you can tell people stay inside before they get frustrated and fed up and are not going to listen to what you say. And it's like, it's an actual thing and it's something they considered. Um, which is why I think they're a bit more lenient with this lockdown in terms of then, I mean, the restrictions aren't as strict. And it was for a shorter time that was sort of defined, but whether whether or not this lockdown is going to end anytime soon, I don't know. That's a, that's a different question, I think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've had a lot of positive news regarding like vaccines and stuff, but it's not like it's going to come out tomorrow, is it? So yeah, it doesn't solve the immediate problem, does it? <clears throat> yeah, that's the issue. How have you found it, like personally? Yeah, I mean, it's not too bad. Like I've been at home for most of it, so with my family. Um, and yeah that's been fine like it's a lot of um uh adjusting i think because i mean i've come back from four years of uni <laughs> it's pretty much do whatever you want and it's not going to be an issue to a f- a, you know a family family sort of lifestyle which is you know it's different but you get used to it you know what i mean what about you yeah for me it's been it's been pretty calm like I feel like I'm, I'm pretty, not necessarily introverted, but I enjoy being in my room anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So it's weird where, like, I guess in the past, like, I wouldn't go out because I didn't want to, whereas now it's like I'm not going out because I can't, and having that lack of freedom is kind of strange. That's but otherwise, thing, though, like, it's it's not like, uh, I mean, even the people that didn't really used to go out, it's the, it's the whole idea that you're not allowed to, mm. and that's what the issue is, like... That's what gets a lot of people. Even, even if you just, like, even if you're at home, you don't, you don't normally go out that much, but you just wanted to go out, just wanted to go and do something, but you can't. And that's a, that's a very big restriction. Exactly. Yeah. I think for me, I'm a bit blessed in a way where it's like that I've got a podcast, like having a chat with everyone for like an hour, two hours every week just makes it so much easier. You yeah. You don't feel like you're trapped as much, but. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, it's had its ups and downs and like, I think it's just an adjustment for everyone and people will um, adjust and, and just sort of get used to it. I mean, you have to make the most of it. It's not like it can be helped and it's not like it's anyone's fault, but like mm-hmm. you just have to make the most of a bad situation. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. I think uh, so I just had a question that came up to my head. Like I know we talked about literally like two minutes ago, not having random curveball questions, but <laughs> I just thought like, dude, it's not, it's not, it's not much of a curveball, but I want to get your immediate thoughts on like, I guess you're in a unique position where it's like your first lockdown, you were in uni, kind of studying in Bristol. <clears throat> and then this lockdown, obviously, you're at home now working after graduating and that. Yeah. Are there any, like, stark differences, do you think? Or do you think any position is better than the other? Um, I think I think having something to do is is definitely better than not. So, like, uni was fine because you know we had st- i had studying to do as soon as uni ended and i was still in lockdown it was sort of like okay i don't really know how to spend my time like you have to be very creative in those sorts of times <laughs> like you'll run out of stuff <laughs> to do very easily yeah uh, but like coming now into work i mean it's different you're, i'm working nine 
Monday to Friday, nine to five, like, and then it gives me the weekends off. And I think like, that's good in a sense for, for lockdown. Like it keeps me occupied. I've got stuff to do in the week. I don't really notice it that much. It's like going to a normal job. <clears throat> like it really isn't, it really isn't as restrictive as it might be if I didn't have anything to do. Mm. That's how it feels anyway. Yeah. No, not even. But like, the same thing could be sent for uni work, do you know what I mean? If you're consistently working at that, then you have something to do. And realistically though, I mean, if I was a uni student, I probably wouldn't be doing that. Uh, <laughs> it's just not my vibe. But like, um, if, <clears throat> if that was how you worked and you worked Monday to Friday, probably not nine to five, you could work like 11 to four, uh, <laughs> just chill out in the evenings, have a, have a nice chilled lifestyle. I think like, that would be a good good way to structure your time just because um breaks up the days do you know what i mean like if a lockdown is lasting a month a month is a long time to be sitting in your house having not much to do mm, yeah for sure but you know students are resourceful and we as humans are resourceful and we'll find stuff and it will all it'll work out lockdown will be over soon hopefully Hopefully, yeah. I mean, December second's what a week and a half away. So, uh, to be honest, I don't, I don't see it actually ending on December second. I think, I think we're gonna go for a little bit longer. That's my prediction. I don't know. I feel like the government is scared to to ruin Christmas. <laughs> yeah, true. But I reckon, I reckon we'll go for a couple of weeks and then we'll we'll have a break for Christmas, and then it will start again after New Year. Yeah. But, you know, I guess we'll see see what the science says. I think they're being led by science again, so that's hopeful. That's as long as they actually are. <laughs> God, no. yeah. I guess, um, because I remember I was joking to you about this as well, like, it must be crazy graduating in a time like this. Mm. But it's remarkable seeing, like, I mean, first of all, congrats on getting a first. That's a crazy achievement. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks. And then no, well, in terms of graduating, I haven't even graduated yet. Because, uh, graduation's on hold, isn't it? Everyone for this year. Um, it's got pushed to next year at Bristol anyway. Um, next year? I thought it was going to be in January. I don't know. I think they're still pretty, um, short on the details. <laughs> I haven't heard anything about what it's going to be. And realistically, I don't know. Like, do we think it's going to be feasible for them to do it in January? I don't think large scale events would be back by that time. Yeah, that's true. Um, and to be honest, whether they're just going to scrap it in, in, in general, because if you then think about it, will it be normal again in September next year? I mean, whenever, whenever graduation is August, I don't know. Will it? Yeah. I mean, it's not what to tell, isn't it? Yeah, it's hard to tell. It's just one of them. It's a, we're living in unpredictable times when, um, you know, you just have to wait and see and take each day as it comes. Yeah. Even if they can't pull it off, it's going to be difficult to get everyone back from work or wherever people are. That's the thing. Yeah. Turnout will be low. It'll be lower. But like, I mean, it's not the end of the world and we're still graduated. People are still graduated. You know, they got their degree. <laughs> I think that's the most important part. Um, obviously the celebration of graduation is like <clears throat> slightly different, not the same as normal, but you know, it's nobody's fault. That's the thing. <laughs> Just go with it. Like, couldn't be helped. It's a pandemic. <laughs> That's what I find fun. People are like, I mean, obviously everyone each to their own. I'm not going to shit on anyone for having their own experiences. Mm. But it's like, this really is a global thing. Like, it's not, Mm-mm. it's not affecting anyone in particular more than anyone else. I mean, some people, are, I get it. Like, uh, losing your jobs and stuff is, is tight or yeah, yeah, yeah. having to redo uni is annoying. But it's like, for sure. it's affecting everyone. It's not, no one's alone in this. Yeah, that's true. Like, it is, it is across the board affecting people and fair enough. Yeah. It is definitely affecting some people more than others just because of personal situations and circumstances. But in terms of like, I don't feel hard done by because I know that it's not like realistically, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm still healthy. My family's still healthy. Friends are still healthy. And as long as that's the case, like can't really complain. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just want to take it day by day and hope, hope for the best. That's the thing. That's the thing. And yeah, I mean, don't be short-sighted, you know what I mean? We're still, I can sit here and complain about things, but what's the point? Because realistically, in the future, we still have to live through this pandemic and that's the most important part. 
of everything right now. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. What crazy times we're in, man. How did you, how did you manage to get a job in like the hardest time in history? It's <laughs> <laughs> an interesting question. I don't know. I don't know, to be honest. Um, <laughs> a lot of luck. That's how. And, um, yeah, it's just a very, very lucky experience for me. I mean, I, um, I think, I think with the job search in general, a lot of it is luck. And why do I say this? I say this because I applied to God knows how many jobs and I started maybe in, in September last year. So I've been, I've I'd been doing it for over a year worth of applications mm. and just basically applying to everything. And I think there's a, there's a method in that which I'll talk about in a minute. But like in terms of if I'd got a different interviewer for certain interviews, like I got close to getting a job in certain occasions, but if I got a different interviewer, maybe I would have been successful there. If I had done something slightly differently, if I had read something slightly differently, um, there's so many aspects. And like, I think in general, getting a job is a combination of you having done your prep properly beforehand yeah. and, and just pure luck. and <laughs> Having done over seventy or eighty job applications, like I'm, I'm a firm believer of it is luck, um, or luck, luck has luck has a big part to play in it. And, yes, you know, have your qualifications and have your skills and and portray yourself in the best way possible, but also don't be hard on yourself if it's not going anywhere because it is just bad luck. Like, and I think in terms of you know, the job application process, like there is, well, my approach, what was my approach? It was, it was apply to as many things as possible and see what turns up. Mm. And, you know, you can say that's a really good approach or you could say, you know, that's maybe not the best approach. And the reason for that is if you apply to a lot of things, then you're constantly having to change your mindset of, how do you apply to this job? How do you sell yourself best for this job? And how do you um, market yourself and, and write up your CV, write up your cover letter specifically for this job? And I think it takes in takes an awful lot of work to tailor applications for each specific job. Yeah. And so, you know, because it does take an awful lot of work and time, it's whether or not you're going to do it properly. Or, or whether that's gonna eventually just fade out and you're just gonna end up not caring and just doing any application that falls into your lap. So there's the risk. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. So like, yeah, I mean, you could focus on, I mean, if you're passionate and, and driven about a certain job or a certain sector, then obviously go for it and apply for as many jobs in that sector as you can. But if you're like me where you don't know where you want to end up and you don't really care what you're going to do, you just want a good job that you can see yourself developing in, then apply to whatever you <laughs> apply to everything you can. I think. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. I think as well that like, people forget that. I think once you start, it's the hardest part because now that you're in the door, you've got like some experience from your CV. You can really just move around, mm-hmm. if not internally, like just to a different company entirely because you got that on your CV. That's the thing as well, like. Just looking back on it, the, I think the hardest part for me applying to jobs was a lack of experience. Like, and you know, yeah, okay, graduate jobs, you're not meant to necessarily have experience, but internships, mm. I didn't have anything notable to put as an internship experience. Yeah. I had an internship, which I did at the University of Bristol, where I was doing research. Realistically, that doesn't help me very much in a professional job. That helps me very much if I was going to go and do a PhD. But if I was going to do anything else that wasn't <laughs> academic related, maybe it's not the most helpful thing. And that's what I was finding. It wasn't the most helpful thing. Um, so I think I had a lot of challenges in terms of trying to find a job without experience. And that's the thing as well. So this is what I found like coming into this year. And so it was apparent to me in, in maybe March when a bunch of my interviews and everything got cancelled or postponed. Um, Mm. I was going to struggle because at that point it was, okay, cool. Everyone now is applying for these jobs. When it reached September, 
like I was doing the previous year, everybody in that year at uni in their final year, they're going to be applying to these jobs. The job, yeah. the, the employee pool, the prospective employee pool is just huge and everybody wants these jobs, but the numbers are the same or they're less. So it then gets to the point of, okay, how are you going to find something? There's so many, the competition is so much more fierce. Um, so then, then, then I think that is a struggle and I think it will be a struggle now from now, um, for next year and the year after. Like, I don't think it's going to be necessarily the easiest ride. Mm, that's the thing, yeah. But I think trying to apply to a very broad range of things, you probably have more chance. Mm. Cause like, people say they're going to go back to normal, go back to normal, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, like, as you admit as well, like, a lot of people were held back. There are a lot of people that didn't get the chance back then that are going to be applying now. And a lot of these companies just aren't hiring the same. Like I've noticed as well this year, a lot of these internships that I saw last year just don't exist anymore. Yeah. And it's simply because there's just no space. It's true. And I think, I think one thing to, to note is you, you shouldn't be picky of what you can get. I think at this point now you should be just taking whatever you can get. And I think if you're in the position to get any sort of relevant work experience, whether that's six weeks or a month or, or just even if it's short, it doesn't matter, but get your foot in the door because mm. coming to this year, I had a lot of mates that they'd done internship experience and because of that, they had their jobs lined up or they had a lot of job offers, not necessarily that they took them, but they had the offers there. Do you know what I mean? And that's yeah. such a safe bet. If you go to an internship and you're good and you know, when the, when eventually you're ready to graduate and they probably will be taking on grads, you're in a very good position to get that job. Mm, that's true. So I think try, try as hard as you can to get an internship or just get some work experience. It doesn't even have to be paid. And yeah, fair enough. That's not the easiest thing from like, it's easy for me to say it's difficult to, to live on that, but make the best of your, situation and just try do you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah i completely agree because like i mean i feel like i'm quite lucky i've had a lot of i've had a few um spring internships and stuff so i've got experience mm-hmm. myself but it's like i recognize that many people can't do that and even internships are you have to apply for them right it's still the same application process it's still a very um competitive industry especially yeah it like, is it is uh, yeah like i imagine like consulting finance engineering it's, it's not easy <laughs> So this no, it's definitely not. I think as well because those sort of industries are ones that are going to be needed regardless of um, regardless of what really happens. You're still going to need engineers. Do you know what I mean? You're still going to need consultants. I mean, right now you've got consultants because there's issues and consultants fix problems. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, but like, yeah, it's definitely worth just trying to get your foot in the door it's the same as what you said you know what i mean like i'm lucky now because i have got my foot in the door i've got some experience and i'm I'm gonna get some experience you know what i mean but going it was very difficult without having anything to try and get a job so i think you're in in the best position to try and make yourself as marketable as possible even then if you just do like i've seen him now um i've seen some some like um What's it? It's like a society at, at Bristol Uni. Um, that's basically a partnership with some consultancy firm. Oh. And, you know, that's just a, that's just a society, but people are joining it and they're doing projects and stuff. And just to talk about that and to say you've got some experience in it, that would be mad if you went into a job interview with that. Even if you just, even if you didn't have an, uh, 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 an internship to talk about, you could talk about that and, and they'd say, okay, You've got some experience. Great. Let's, let's have you. Mm. Yeah, that's very true. And I think, um, yeah, I mean, that's my take on it. I think jobs are going to be difficult to get. I think to get one, you have to make yourself stand out and that's very difficult, but there's a number of ways you can do it. You can either be, you know, very good academically. If you're not so academic, then you need to work on, um, having stuff to talk about that maybe sets you apart talk about charity work if you've done any mm, just yeah, just sure. stuff that's different do you know what i mean 
Yeah, yeah. Do you think, like, obviously if I say, what would you have done differently? You'd say, yeah, we'll get an internship, get experience. But mm. what exact approach do you think you would have would have been a better one to take at uni as opposed to, like, the way you did things? Looking back. At uh, uni, yeah, looking back, well, I'll say what I did. So, like, in, in my jobs over the summer, I had the first two years' worth of jobs. I worked in the airport. I worked at Gatwick and Heathrow Airport. Yeah. Moving bags around. Um, and then the second, the third year, sorry, I did that internship with the, with the, like a research internship. Yeah. But you know what? The reason I did all of those jobs is because it was easy and they were easy for me to get. So for me, I was a lazy, lazy student <laughs> and I really couldn't be bothered to apply for all of the jobs and I was really lazy. And then I, I picked up in fourth year when I wanted to apply for jobs and then I just started applying to lots of stuff, but I never had that push and drive to do it in third year or second year. Mm. Um, I think it's generally accepted end of first year. You're not going to get an internship, but second year onwards, maybe you might, but like I was lazy, so I'd be a bit less lazy, apply for these things, see, because you might get them and you might not. That's fair enough. But if you don't try, then you'll never know. In -hmm. terms of what I would change, like, I think it's just really important however hard you try and however many interviews you do don't get complacent um and don't think okay i can answer that question easily no problem i've got it all down i think it's really important to do an interview check before you go into any interview and that was something that i struggled with and not something i struggled with but something i became complacent about (laughs) um when i went into so i did a i did a string of interviews over the summer and i was just I was just fed up at that point. I was so frustrated with mm. applying to jobs and stuff. And I was like, Yeah, okay, this interview will be fine. I know, you know, I I know how to answer the questions, no problem. And then I rocked up and the the guy asked me, What's your greatest achievement? Both academically and non academically. And I sat there and I hadn't prepared this question. And I don't know why, because it's such a important yeah. question to prep, like you should know that one. That's a normal one that they ask. One of the standard ones, yeah. But I hadn't, I hadn't prepped it for some reason. And I just sat there and I was like, well, okay. I couldn't answer him. And I, I was like, okay, um, I need to think about that. But like, so I think, I think it's really important to just make sure you're prepped and, uh, and ready and aware and you're just in the best possible footing to go and do your interviews and show, show your interviewers your best self. Mm. and like you know what they say they always say the interviewers aren't there to catch you out they're there to get the best from you and that's true but in it's it's, it's the same as meeting anybody new do you know what I mean they don't know you at all and yeah. you're just meeting a random person they're asking you pretty random questions that you think are random and, and that you think don't really show anything but they're that's basically their whole impression of you so it's sort of like jumping through hoops and you have to jump through the hoops to end up anywhere, basically. Mm, that's so true. I think I realized that recently, like I was talking to someone about the podcast mm. and they're like, oh, so what do you talk about? I said, oh, you know, student stuff, blah, blah, blah. And in my head, it's like, that's obvious what I'm saying. Mm. But they're looking at me because this person in the apprenticeship, <laughs> like, what, what does that mean? <laughs> and it really hit me. I'm like, wow, I really have to explain like what student life means in, you know, in fine detail. And even though to me, that was crazy. Like it makes a lot of sense. And I can only yeah. imagine a podcast is one very, very small thing, but imagine extrapolating that to a whole human being applying for a job interview. It's like, how can you really show who you are, what you're about, what you're capable of in, you know, a one minute answer to that question? Like, what's your greatest achievement? Like, isn't <laughs> it's very true. It's true. Like, what do, what do you answer in an interview and how do you, uh, that's the thing as well. I don't think you should ever like, as much as I say it, don't ever bend the truth. <laughs> don't mm. lie, but portray what you've got in, in the best possible way. And, I think don't be afraid to very honestly say I've never been in that position before. However, this is a position I've been in, which is similar. And then just talk about a different story instead. Mm, Like, I think they don't expect you to be able to answer every question. And if you honestly haven't been in a position that they're asking you about, like you shouldn't pretend that you have. Mm, No, it's true. So yeah, I think that's my interview interview guidance. <laughs> <laughs> For what it's worth, I don't know. I've done a lot and I only got one job. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is Carl's one one in a hundred guide. 
So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, I don't know if this is great advice, but this is something that I always, I always take when I go into interviews, it's like, never give a generic answer in the sense where if they say like, give me a time you worked in a team, never just say like, oh, my project at uni was blah, because everyone's got the same generic answer, if you know what I mean. Like everyone's yeah. been to that same interview workshop, they spoke to their career service and they have the same thing to say. Yeah. Whenever they ask me about team, like I always say like, yeah, I was captain of a FG Squeezy in school. Or <laughs> 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 well, they ask me about, like, I wonder if you do this as well. Like they ask me about um entrepreneurship or like when I've done my own project, I always say like selling speech in school. Yeah, not gonna lie, it's something that I didn't really pick up on, and I never, I never really discussed it. And then I thought wow. about it. Um, I thought about it maybe a couple of months ago, just after I had done all the interviews and stuff, and I was like, why didn't I talk about that? And then it just popped into my head. That was that was actually probably a really good thing to talk about, but I just didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually your whole business, like you're running the accounts, you're stuff. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Meeting with clients. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, That's but, such a great uh, example. Yeah, I know. It's something I really should have should have developed a bit more, I think. But you know, <laughs> didn't do it, and it's it's too late now. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't need to tell anybody in interview setting. I've got my job. Maybe in the next interview, but um, I'm sure I'll have more notable things to talk about at that point. Hopefully, imagine that you're like hopefully years old. <laughs> <laughs> talking about selling sweets at school. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. What was that like, man? I, I remember for a good like 18 months, I was like, oh, this guy, this Carl guy, man. I, I remember calling you Vim or just annoying you because I'm like, this is my block. <laughs> oh, God. I didn't even know you that well back then, I don't think. Nah, neither. Uh, yeah, we were, we were, uh, what was it? What was it? Year 10, year 11. Mm. It was an interesting experience. I think, um, I don't even know how I started. I think, I, I just don't, I can't remember. One of the kids in school, I think it was Luke, he um, said to me, oh, you should you should go and buy some Vimto and sell it to me. And I was like, okay, that's pretty random, but yeah, go on then. Uh, <laughs> so I started with two quid, I think, and I went and bought two packs of Vimto and sold them. And I was like, oh, I'm making profit, which was fun. As a kid back then, you know, we made a pound and I was like, oh, that's great. That's loads of money. Chips, man. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, cool. Let's go to, what was it, CFC. <laughs> get some wings in like what's going on um so yeah and then i started from there didn't it and then i went and um started buying more and then it turned into a full full operation it was a it was a big marathon marathon operation i think Literally, it was pretty 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 big i used to go at the weekends and and spend about 100 quid in, in poundland and ice and uh, yeah i used to buy that much worth of Chocolate, sweets, crisps, Capri Suns, um, stock them up in my house and then spread that over the week. Yeah, you had it going on, man. I did. I, I then, it was, it was a huge operation. I was driving everyone out of business. You, Jerome. <laughs> Who That's a, I think Ill- my mistake was that I never expanded. I just kept doing Kit Kats forever. Yeah, you didn't do enough. That's it. You didn't have the range. And when it got to summer, it's melted in my bag. It's like, <laughs> if I don't, I, so much uh, I'll break. I'm done. I had my full, um, I had my full client list. I had my regular customers. They used to come every day. It's two quid, pound fifty, no problem. And, uh, I used to walk around with a big pocket of change. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, my trousers used to jingle when I walked. <laughs> And then it was like, oh god! At one point, I don't know, I don't even know. I used to put my Capri Suns in the fridge, and I used to bring ice packs in and and keep them cold. <laughs> <laughs> what the fridge in um, what Fruitech or something? No, no, I used to I used to chill them overnight in my house, oh, at my okay. house, and then I used to bring them to school with ice packs to keep them cold <laughs> until they got delivered. <laughs> and if that is an effective business, I don't know what is. That's nuts. Yeah, you, have, that, a, you have a locker. In school, no. I used to I used to bring two bags, and then first lunch break, I mean first break, I used to sell everything and then fold up that bag and put my other bag. Mm. It was a good it was a good little business system I had going on there, and um, it worked effectively for some time. And then I got caught. <laughs> it was like mm. really, yeah. Didn't you hear? No, I thought you just stopped. I thought you just stopped. You made too much money or something. Uh, so the thing was, I was 
you know, I was I was liked by the teachers fairly well. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, that makes sense. But I did get caught by Mr. Martin. And uh, <laughs> he went and he was like, oh, it's okay. I'm not going to do anything. He went and told Miss Thomas. Miss Thomas was like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to do anything. But you should stop before someone else catches you. And I was like, mm, good point. <laughs> Thanks. Probably should stop. And then I was like, okay, cool. I'll just, I'll just roll back operations. That's mad. That's it. I was done. I was done. But yeah, no, overall it was a good, it was a good little, um, good little business operation we had going on until I used to get undercut by Michael Blake. (laughs) (laughs) I heard, I heard Oliver was doing like ridiculously cheap deals where he's not even making profit. He's just like trying to drive you (laughs) out. Uh, it was the the market got flooded. That was the problem. Mm. I think um, when it cottoned on as a as a as a very profitable business, it was um, everybody wanted a piece of the action. Literally. I mean, but fair enough. Like it's it's a it's a hustle, isn't it? <laughs> Go do what you got to do. I remember I remember Dylan tried it for like two days. He brought in like a whole duffel bag just full of Lucas A sports or something. <laughs> and he got caught, didn't he? Got he caught got sent to his dental rights office. <laughs> That's the thing, like, if you're a troublemaker and you're trying to do all of that stuff, you're going to get in trouble. But mm. if you're a good good student and then you start doing this side business, they just turn a blind eye. Exactly, yeah. School system's corrupt. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I'm, I'm, I don't know how I never got caught. Yeah, it's pretty mad. It's pretty mad. Like, overall, I think there was a good range of options in that school. <laughs> In terms of what sweets or <laughs> yeah, in terms, of, in terms of in terms of people to go to, I remember you used to do A side. I used to do B side, and then I took over from you because you weren't you weren't meeting it. You weren't meeting the demand at Jordan. That was a problem. Nah, A side staged a coup against me, man. Huh? They staged a coup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much how I ended up. It was, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, they don't care. They just want their sweets. It's true. There was, it was a real struggle trying to keep loyalty amongst my customers, you know what I mean? When, uh, when Michael Blake used to come in and sell them for 40p instead of 50p, and all of my customers used to go to him, I was there like, what's going on? Why are you doing that? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? I'm, I'm the one that takes care of you. They used to look at me like, yeah, but it's 10p cheaper. I was like, ah, oh. you know what? Even now, like, if that was me now, you know, I'd pay the 10p. As a student, 10p is like, oh, 10p, that's loads of money. <laughs> <laughs> they get two pound a day for lunch and they're spending it all on me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's gosh. it. That's it. I remember doing like three for a pound. Yeah, I used to do. Well, I don't even remember what I used to do. Everything, man. I used to make good money. I reckon it was a hundred percent profit margin overall. Actually, yeah, actually. Well, like. Kit Kat was always like eight for a yeah, pound. I'll just stack all up all of that stuff, and then you could sell that for double the price. Mm. They were like, yeah, you could sell stuff. It was very easy, and yeah, nah, it was a good little business system we had going on. I was, I was impressed with it as a kid. But then again, like when I think about it, I turned something that could have been quite small into something that was quite big. But I sacrificed a lot of my time. <laughs> like I didn't have first break because I went and sold these sweets. And like that is the toss up in that. Yeah. You wanna do um business or <laughs> you wanna enjoy a break time, do you know what I mean? <laughs> That's uh, true. Very true. Do you do you regret that at all? Yes and no, really. I don't really I don't know, I think about it often. And it's, well, no, not that often. Every every two hours I'm just thinking about it, like, oh, why did I do that? <laughs> no, nah, but like, I think about it and like, I'm like, mm, well, on one hand, I made a bunch of money and learned a bunch of things. But really, what did I learn? How to do some dodgy children's business <laughs> versus enjoying break but like realistically what happened at break time you got to go and run around the playground that was never really me I don't really I don't really run that much (laughs) (laughs) I'm reserving all fat jokes for in in person (laughs) (laughs) yeah save them for later don't worry (laughs) no I know what you mean though I I don't think I ever like 
I never really thought about it in depth because I, I feel like I never had this big an operation, so I still kind of enjoyed break <laughs> when I was out there. Yeah. But I see what you mean. Though. There were definitely times where it's like, I really want to just go over there. I hate having to stand here and give you this. I mean, I enjoy getting money, but at the same time, it's like, you know, the vibes are over there in that corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. It was when I, I started getting big enough, people would find me. <clears throat> they knew they wanted something, and I'd be like, yeah. But um, all in all, to be fair, I just thought about it now. Like, I did learn a lot in terms of stock management, supply and demand. Learn all of that stuff. Because how do you buy the exact opt- optimal amount of stuff that you know you're going to be selling everything every day? Exactly. It's bin packing algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> Chinese postman. That's the thing, yeah. Oh, D1. Good old D1. <laughs> but yeah, no, all an interesting vibe. Definitely some interesting experiences along the way. Honestly, man. I was just thinking as well, like, it's it's crazy how different, I guess, the first, I mean, obviously it's natural because you're getting older, but it's crazy how different the first, like, five years were in mm. school compared to sick form. Yeah, like, definitely. I never would have thought we'd, we'd be doing mass giving when I was, like... <laughs> <laughs> mass giving was a very special time. It was, uh, it was a good fun, good fun. To be fair, we just didn't do much in that further mass class, did we? <laughs> we just sit there and crack jokes and watch Countdown, play Countdown at school. <laughs> <laughs> I still got a picture somewhere on my phone of um we made a list of like the top ten Disney films or something. Yeah, we just used to. Oh, I don't even know, man. They just didn't care. They didn't care. They were just like, okay, cool, do whatever you want. It was just that's the thing as well. Do you know what it was? The thing with that class was we might not have done much within the class, but within ourselves, we were so competitive that it didn't really matter whether we did it. We're still going to do the work because we were competitive with each other. Mm. And it didn't matter that we didn't work in class, but <clears throat> wanted to beat each other that we were going to do well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, of course. And I that think was, that sentiment to like, even though the teacher never did it on purpose, the sentiment to like getting the best out of us without doing it, like, it's untraditional, like unconventional, but it worked. Mm, mm, it is unconventional, but it was a good tactic and it did work. And I think overall we came out quite well. You, if I'm right, you were the highest, right? You got the highest grades. Yeah, I did, and I'll never let Michael forget it. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be the snippet that I put up on on Instagram for the podcast. <laughs> get off all you got yeah. to get off now. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll send it to him as well. Um, just just send this little excerpt to Michael. Make sure he hears it. But yeah, uh, yeah, no, I did beat Michael in the end. It was a pretty satisfying experience. But you know, he'll he'll always counter that with he went to Cambridge. Whether or not that was a, a better experience than I had at uni, I don't know. <laughs> Couldn't tell you. I doubt it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, maths, maths, like, I was always a fan of maths, and I think the other maths was fun, and it was interesting to learn. I do remember Mr. Hogan putting up a, a little, what was it? It was like a quadrant <laughs> of, of, of where he predicted everyone. And, uh, yeah. I don't think he rated me very highly <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> Not at all. He put you in like hard working, but not very smart. Did he? Yeah, I think I think that's what he did. I mean, I mean, he's it, it might not even be a lie to be honest. I just worked hard, and that's why I did got a good grade. But like, yeah, fair play. I do rate him for doing that. It was quite funny. Honestly, it was quite funny. I did feel bad for some some people in our class, though. I mean, if you if you ever fell behind, I think it was very easy to get ridiculed. Hmm. But I guess that's, that comes with it. It pushes you to be better next time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget that time. I can't remember the exact context, but I remember the, the, the brief moment in time. I think Michael got hired than James in a test or something, and he had a go up at James. Mm. And then Mr. Hogan was like, is that meant to be funny? <laughs> <laughs> and everyone just lost it. <laughs> oh, Mr. Hogan was, was joked. In terms of, he just had so much wit. He had a lot of wit. Honestly, I remember him telling us on the first day, like, if you want to get a good job, like, math to have maths is the best subject to do. Like, you can get literally any good job if you do maths at A-levels. The yeah. only bad job you can get is being a math teacher. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And Mr. Gold. Mr. Gold was a good one as well. Honestly. Just, there was just good vibes. I think the teachers were very, like, <laughs> weird, and they fit in with us quite well, because we were also just not about doing just about enjoying the experience. I remember uh, one 
we had we had a weird little exam system where we went to because in in AS level we were doing an A2 exam we did M2 or something mm. and after that we went to the pub and uh, we were just sitting there for ages and we eventually went back to class but me and Patrick stayed and we went <laughs> we got a couple of whiskeys in because I think we were the only two that were old enough to drink yeah uh, and then we came back to class and we, we, had, had, a, we had, had a few whiskeys and then um, we were just sitting in, in, in I think it was Dr. Cook's math lesson and we were like yeah miss we're just going to go home <laughs> although we didn't even say that I think we said we're going to go back to the pub and she should come afterwards <laughs> um, I think we did that and that was, that was good vibes good fun that's crazy that's the thing though we could just get away whatever we wanted like no one really said anything. That's the thing, because we were just so far ahead. Yeah. For it was, history. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was, it was a good vibe. School <laughs> <laughs> was, school was good, and I think, um, I think we made a good time of it in, you know, the last couple of years. But I think, yeah, definitely worth <laughs> making good good time of school because you don't really get that experience again it's sort of the stage of you're still children whereas where where you get told what to do fine but you also get a lot of stuff provided for you like you're at home you get Mm. food warmth somewhere to stay um but you also do have a lot of freedom there to do what you want whereas okay cool you go to uni that's the same you get a lot of freedom but a lot of the stuff you're then doing yourself. You don't, you don't get told what to do, fine, but you do get, um, you do have to do your own washing, you have to do your own <laughs> cooking, yeah. you have to look after yourself. Yeah, that's the thing. And <clears throat> just being aware that, you know, you will have to step up eventually. I mean, it's not the end of the world, but it's just something to adjust to, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think on that as well, and on like a, I guess a slightly more professional note, do you, I don't want to say this, but obviously I was thinking about to our five maths class, and when you compare like, you know, the most academic—I mean, it's not necessarily the smartest, but the most academic—all of us got into like top top unis. Obviously, yeah. Michael, the only one that year to go to Cambridge. Yeah, uh, both of us and, they, and Vaughn as and well. They never, and they never let us forget that. <laughs> <laughs> never ever. They were, they were very proud of Michael going, but they were disappointed that nobody else went. <laughs> Yeah, because it's only because it was Michael. If it was just you to go, it'd be like calm. Well, like, just one, that's fine. But like, why Michael? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing, isn't it? Honestly. But, anyway, like, carry on. Yeah, I was saying that. Like, what was? Mm, it's hard to articulate this, but how was? How do you think your transition went from like school to uni? And based on your last year, at least, because obviously we were given a lot of help as well. Like mm. we got express help with um, Oxbridge applications because we were because of the early deadline and stuff. Like. Do you think you were, I guess, nurtured the correct way? Like, would you have done this again if you had another chance? What, to apply to Oxbridge? No, not, it's, um, it's hard to articulate what I'm saying, but it's it's like, hmm, how do I put this? Let's say you're talking to, like, let's say someone who's at St. Mark's now, today comes to talk to you, sends you an email or something. Mm. He's like, I need help with applications, what should I do? Like, what would you say to that person? Yeah, so you just get the help from, like, I think our school were very pushy that you should go to uni. But because they were so pushy, they helped a lot in terms of writing a good personal statement um, and and just sorting you out. I think you're right in terms of they were very um, particular in giving help to Oxford applicants. Mm. But they also did do a lot of work with people that were just applying to all the universities. Do you know what I mean? Um, but in terms of applications, just follow their advice <laughs> the personal statement is going to have to be cheesy and and <laughs> not what you'd normally write and it's yeah. it's supposed to be cringy do you know what i mean yeah. um but yeah take take your teacher's advice get some get some advice from it and then i mean in terms of my application where would i apply i'd definitely apply to bristol again i probably wouldn't apply to oxbridge i'm not gonna lie um just because i've experienced a uni lifestyle I was very happy experiencing the Bristol Uni lifestyle. I think that would have been completely different out of Oxbridge, and I don't think it's something I would have enjoyed. Yeah, I hear that a lot, and I completely agree as well. Like, I don't think I'd have enjoyed Oxford. It's too much. Uh, it's too much work. <laughs> mm. You can get the same degree and go and get a job. Um, you know, 
from a from a normal university where it's less work and and you get some time to appreciate where you are um so yeah just enjoy the uni lifestyle as much as you can because it does end quicker than you think like it puzzles yeah i know you're still there i know you're still there but for me you know it seems like not that long ago that i started uni mm. um and here i am now finished wow yeah fair but you know it does go quickly do you know what i mean and mm. You know, you've progressed to second year quite quickly, Jordan, in terms of, you know, <laughs> I bet you, I bet you think back and it, it's not that long ago since you started first, uh, first year. Um, yeah, first year was, was like two years ago, man. <laughs> if anyone asks. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, but yeah, like in terms of, in terms of uni applications, I would probably go to uni again. Mm. Whether I think whether it's right that school pushed us to, you know, apply to uni, I don't know. That's a different question. And I think it really does depend on the individual. And yeah. I think you've had some people on here that didn't go to uni and that are actually doing really, really well for themselves. Um, yeah. Shout out Brendan and Sean. There you go. Like, it just shows mm-hmm. you what you can achieve by not going to uni. Do you know what I mean? And like, mm-hmm. there's different paths for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think, like, because obviously you said that uni felt like it was yesterday you started. Mm. Do you think you've, like, changed in many ways since in the last four years? Yeah, probably. I mean, I think everyone will as they go through uni. Like, <laughs> for me, I did years one, two, three, sure, whatever. Felt a bit childish. Fourth year came and I felt like an adult. I was mm. grown. I'm not the same little kid that I was before. <laughs> um, and that's just experiences. Do you know what I mean? Like, you go and you experience different things and, and, Eventually, it comes a time where you just live a more adult lifestyle. You will not want to be doing what first years are doing anymore. You don't have the energy for it. You're tired, and that turns you into an adult. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, In terms of, yeah, I definitely learned some stuff along the way and been shaped by uni as a whole, and I think that's the same for everyone. But don't don't be afraid of that. It's, It's something that happens, and it's something that, you should embrace it's good you know come out ready for life on the <laughs> other side and you know to be honest i wasn't even ready for life i still feel like a student but i'm not i'm a working professional and it will take some time to get used to but um yeah that's just a more more of a development to be had yeah of course i mean you've been working for what two weeks now three weeks it's been four wow Where's that time gone do you know what i mean <laughs> wow <laughs> feels like i only just started last week um but I feel no, like I stood at Charlie's like two weeks ago. Man. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Like it, time, time just does go really quickly. And yeah, enjoy the, enjoy the moment you're living in, whether that's at uni or whether you're at work, enjoy that while you are doing it. <laughs> like mm. don't bother with having rubbish days. And if you do have a rubbish day, then just turn it around and the next day try and make it good and try and make it um, as positive as possible. Because realistically, the time's moving so fast. You want the overall experience to be positive. You don't want to be grumpy, and you don't want to be upset, and you don't want to be down about things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't think I've ever asked you this, but like, do you see yourself as like very reflexive, reflexive, um, whatever? <clears throat> yes and no. I think I can go through go through phases of it, and I think currently i'm feeling very reflective (laughs) but like yeah i think it is good back good to look back on you know where you've come from and and just just what experiences have have sort of shaped you and i think it's good to just understand that everybody has their own experiences and everybody's been shaped by different things so i tend to try not to get mad at people i think i'm sort of done with that in terms of you just accept it and move on and also don't get mad because what's the point who cares um you know they're living their life you're living yours you just have to carry on and it's very easy to be upset and to be angry at people but realistically who does it help (laughs) yeah what does it it do except make you feel mad and yeah there's not really any point just carry on with your life (laughs) (laughs) no not you mean 
I feel like that everything you just said, the, the, the way you said that made me think of that the, the, version, the version of Carl I'm imagining in my head is that Pablo Escobar night, fruit punch. <laughs> fruit punch, oh gosh. Was that that party we had? Yeah, yeah. It was an interesting one, wasn't it? I was being very responsible at that party. <laughs> I had to um, sort out my house, make sure it didn't get too, too vandalised. Um, <laughs> there was a lot of people there, and I'm surprised we didn't get into trouble, to be honest, or into more trouble than we did. Um, but, like, you know, they had the speakers in there that were just huge. They must have been, what, like, the size of, like, a couple of desks, um, at least. And they just made the whole house vibrate. And the next day we got this little angry letter from, from the next door neighbor saying that all of her glassware and her cupboards were shaking and vibrating. <laughs> <laughs> and she was not happy with us at all. And she lived on the top floor and it was a four bedroom, it was a four story house. She lived on the top floor of the house next door and her, we were in the basement and, <laughs> and she was, she was not happy. Um, that's so funny. But yeah, it was a good party and all. Like, I think that was the only big major party we ever had, you know, with, um, with, uh, how many people were there? I don't know. You were there. What, 100, 200? There was way too many. I was like, cause I remember I brought Gareth down for that night. I'm like, I'm like, Von? There was one, like, Sam Robbins, like, everyone was yeah, there. Yeah, they're all there. I mean, they're Bristol school people. Why not? You gotta invite who you gotta invite. Yeah, of course. I remember, oh, um, who was that girl? Megan was there. Yeah, I was like, yeah, obviously yeah. you guys know her from like from school, and I'm like, what? What? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, Gareth knows more people here than I do. <laughs> nah, to be fair, so it, was a, it was a weird. Um, it was a, just a mix of people, wasn't it? It was just invite whoever. I remember though, there was a lasting story from that night of. Um, so we had this downstairs bathroom, and mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've heard this story, but there was this guy that, you know, he was a bit drunk and he he wanted to go to the toilet, and someone was in the toilet. And so he knocked on the door and this, this, this bathroom door had like mm. a big glass, frosted glass window in it. And for some reason, he decided that, you know, he knocked on the door. There was no response. He couldn't open the door. So he decided the good idea there would to be, would be to, to put his head through the window of the door. <laughs> and I was just there like, I was sober, so I didn't drink at this party because I was like, you know what, there needs to be one person that's being semi-responsible to yeah. deal with situations such as this. <laughs> so I, went, I went down, like, someone ran upstairs to me, they found me, they're like, someone just put their head through your bathroom door, and I was like, what? I went downstairs, I was like, who's done this? And the guy was just standing there looking guilty next to it, and then I was like, was it you? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, so what happened? He was like, I, I put my head through the window and I was like, yeah, but why did you put your head through? <laughs> that was my question. I, I wasn't really that fussed that he'd, that he'd smashed the window. That was fine. I was like, why did you choose to smash it with your head? <laughs> <laughs> like, what a choice. Um, That's funny. But yeah, I threw him out. That was an interesting one. But yeah, I was just dealing with that. And I think you got to about 5am and I was like, listen, everyone get out of my house. I'm done with you. I want to go to bed. <laughs> oh dear. Now, nah, uni parties are special. Um, Honestly. They, they, more of them need to happen and you need to go to all of them because you don't know when they're going to be. And, you know. You need to enjoy them. They're good vibes. <laughs> Especially when it's not your house. When it's your house, it's a bit different. <laughs> when it's someone else's house, you know, you can enjoy yourself. That's the thing. But don't do any stupid stuff. <laughs> it's nuts because, like, obviously in school, it's like house parties. I feel like a lot of uni is clubbing, which I don't enjoy as much. But House parties are different to school house parties, I think. Nah, yeah, saying, so much better. Remember, remember that school house party you went to and <laughs> Dylan had just um, smashed one of the windows. Oh, yeah, this is Joseph's <laughs> house. <laughs> <laughs> what is it with people in smashing windows? <laughs> oh man. They don't think like engineers, man. That's what it is. <laughs> Just like, oh, there's a window. Let me smash it. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a good idea, doesn't it? Didn't, didn't also smash it over his head? Nah, I don't, surely not. I remember seeing him looking through the window, like with his head in the room. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. 
Nah, so we had some crazy, some crazy times. Good experiences. <laughs> Once this lockdown's over, I'm going to do a one last Bristol graduation party for everyone. Is it? All right, yeah, I'll have to turn up. <laughs> yeah, man, we need some mass giving cake from you. <laughs> I, I got the punch. I'll get something sorted. Oh yeah, you got to make a nice big punch. I'll get Josh's speakers. Josh who? Josh Crow. Baby step boy. Oh, he's got loads of speakers, doesn't he? I assume so. He works with music, so. <laughs> <laughs> he works with music. He's got speakers. That's it. He owes Michael for breaking his lights uh, at that party, so. Oh, uh, yeah, I do remember. That was some <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. I guess um one last thing, though. Very briefly, because we didn't really talk about it, but I think it's important to some mm. degree. It's like how you found Mech. Yeah, well, to be honest, I liked Mech as as the as as the choice of engineering. I liked Mech over, you know, I wouldn't do civil. That's not my vibe. I don't think. Um, yeah, aerospace is just a bit too intense. Like I heard what some of their years were like, and it just didn't sound good. I think Mech was a good balance, and I think I enjoyed it as a unit. Like, you know, you did the I did the core standard engineering in three years. Fourth year, I got to specialize and choose what I wanted to do. Um, and I focused a lot on the power side of engineering. Um, and now look at me, I'm working as a consultant. So I really embraced that, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> um, nah, but I think engineering and mechanical engineering it set me up nicely to do anything. Like when I was applying to jobs, I was applying to jobs in engineering, consulting, finance, actuarial work. Like mm. it literally because I, and I was applying to those literally because I could apply to them. And that's the thing with mechanical engineering or any engineering. Like it sets you up with being able to apply to so many things. Like you can do anything with that degree. Yeah. You're marketable. Um, so yeah, I think overall I didn't find the, the course that difficult. I thought it was interesting and kept me engaged. But yeah, I think to be honest, I think if I was going to do it again, I don't think I'd change. I think I'd do mechanical engineering again. Um, yeah like yeah you just I just learned such a broad range of things and because it is so mechanical engineering when you think about that to be honest I don't know specifically what mechanical engineer does you, mm. if, if I said to you aerospace engineer or civil engineer you'd know what sort of jobs they do um, that's true whereas if I said to you mechanical engineer you wouldn't be able to maybe put your finger on what they do and they're not mechanics <laughs> work in a garage (laughs) but that's the thing isn't it because it is so broad that actual degree you learned a lot of broad engineering disciplines like you don't you're not necessarily specialized as such Mm. so i think it was a good choice for me just being able to learn random stuff um and yeah yeah i would i would do it again i'd do it again definitely because obviously, um, I guess you never knew before you started you were going to work in consulting, but would you not think economics or accounting and finance would be a lot? You kind of get to the same place, but it's also a bit easier, less intense. Yeah, but it's just not my vibe. Like, I did engineering because I'm coming out of it and I'm not having to write a stupid amount of essays. <laughs> if I had done economics, I'd be writing essays. Yeah. And I think at uni, that's not what I want to do. At uni, I mean, for me anyway, I'm maths. Maths is my strong point, and um, engineering means I can do exams where I just have to do maths. Yeah. So that's definitely an appeal for me. I I wouldn't necessarily go for something easier because I think as well, like doing engineering, it did give me an edge in this job, like getting a consulting job. In what way? um, Well, I mean, it's it's a bit unique in terms of. I everyone think, else is econ. N- no, that's the thing. Everyone else in my company anyway is arts or a lot of them oh. are arts or social science based. Mm. Um, but engineering is not just, well, finance. Okay. In my opinion, what is finance? You're either learning about the financial sector or you're learning to do some maths. Yeah. Um, and the applications of that is the financial sector in engineering. You're learning maths, but you're learning a broad range of applications where you can go and basically do anything with that maths. Um, and to be honest, it just teaches you a bunch of problem solving skills that you wouldn't necessarily learn in econ. That's true. In my opinion. And I don't know, like, I couldn't, um, <laughs> testify to the, to the course of 
a, a finance degree, but what to what level do they get to work in the same sort of project environments that we would in engineering? And you, mm. you'd probably know because you've done projects in engineering, I'm presuming. But like yeah. the project work there is intense and you're doing intense project work and consulting as at its core is project work and you're working with a bunch of different people. So I have experiences from that that are useful for my job. Whereas if I study the econ, I'm not sure I would. Mm. Yeah, no, I completely agree. But that's my take on it. And yeah, I mean, you probably could do an easier subject and end up in the same place. But I didn't find engineering. For me, engineering was a subject that was interesting enough to make it easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it, if if there's something you're specifically interested in, you will work hard at it because you're interested in it. If there's something that you're just, it's just there and you're just doing it because for the sake of doing it to end up at some, at some next position, you're just gonna, you're gonna do it, but you're not gonna be as engaged and you're not gonna find it as easy. That's true. Yeah. Especially when it comes to revising. Cause when you, yeah. if you know you enjoy it, you just, you enjoy reading through the papers and learning about it. Yeah. And that's the thing as well. Like there's certain amounts of, so I mean, with econ, some of it is, it's, it's down to the opinion of the marker and that's mm. not something that appeals to me at all. What appeals to me is if I write down this number, that number's either correct or it's wrong. And if it's correct, I get the marks and if it's not, then that's fine. But at least then I know I've not got the marks and this is why, because it's not correct. It's not based on anyone's opinion. It's because it's wrong. Mm. Uh, so that clear cutness for me. So yeah, okay. Maybe I would have studied maths, but maths is is arguably more difficult than engineering yeah maths isn't really maths it's just a lot of proofs in algebra it's just yeah a bunch <laughs> of proofs. that's what they say in there uh, engineering is applied maths um so yeah i wouldn't yeah, no, I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> I completely hear you i don't know how it is for your course but we did a lot of um well we do a lot of i should say um i forgot the word for it like mathematical and data modeling mm. and a lot of um not just not necessarily sustainable engineering, but it's like we talked about sustainability in terms of like not just business and like the environment, but also how you can make a project work and how you can test the model accurately. That's fair. I, think, I think that's especially that's very, significant uh, consulting. Yeah, that is a very interesting point. I don't think we touched upon it that much in okay. that respect. Maybe slightly, but like probably not as much as you. In terms of data modeling as well, like I think you in terms of engineering math, you would have studied that in a lot more depth than we did. Yeah. Um, we didn't, we weren't necessarily pushed to study, um, uh, modeling, computer based modeling as much as maybe you were. Mm. Ours was a bit more, you could not do very much and sort of still get by. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in terms of sustainability, that's a really good point in terms of ensuring that what you've done is sustainable for any changes that might come in the future. And you're right in terms of consulting. That is a very useful thing to be aware of and making sure that any recommendations you make are sustainable for um, long-term implementation. Mm. Yeah, super important. Because I, I remember I did a spring week of EY mm. and um, like our speed run through this could be kind of like out of time, but <laughs> we were talking about, um, we had to do a project, like a presentation. Yeah. And they were saying like, how can you use tech to be like, they, they had a whole, like a whole spiel about it, but it's like tech's not really accessible fundamentally. And yeah. what project would you do to make tech more accessible? And like all the other interns were just like, um, some economics, some arts, humanities, blah, blah, blah. All of them said like very similar ideas where you want to make an app that helps, you know, old people. Mm. Um, if they fall down, they can track the motion and cool ambulance, blah, blah, blah. My, like I was, it was me, a mechanical engineer, an aerospace engineer and, some other, I can't remember what degree, I think it was design engineer or something. Right. They literally put all the engineers in one group. <laughs> <laughs> and as I said, like everyone said, it's like make app for old people, make app for families, blah, 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 like kind of more about their direct experiences. Yeah. Our group, we came up with an idea where it's like, we want to put more, um, we want to energize that like, parts of the, uh, like parts of Africa or like poorer countries mm. by having like wind turbines or like we have like a, because it's not as much water, we're going to put like, what's the word for it? Like a turbine on a, on a mountain. So the water will come down, power that turbine while yeah, we're like, purifying itself in the process. And we had all this like crazy stuff. What is that mad? <laughs> <interesting>? <laughs> we ended up winning the, um, presentation with like a landslide. Like, That's impressive. 
yeah, yeah that's, that's impressive. At the time, I was like, raw, like, I'm going to do something of myself, and then five years later, I'm still here, but. <laughs> <laughs> nah, don't worry, you're going to get somewhere soon. Honestly. But this, my, my point is, that I go to show how, um, that maybe it's not to do with the degree, maybe it's just like the people that are in the room and everyone's got their own experiences and perspectives. Yeah. But it's like, it just goes to show how, not necessarily your degree, but at least your way of thinking can open up so many different doors and so many different ideas as opposed to everyone doing the same thing and you're kind of trapped in this one frame of mind. Yeah, that's very true. And that's the thing, like, I think engineering maybe, I don't know, it's debatable, but it teaches you to think outside of the box and just think about it differently or, or analyse things in different ways before you come to a final decision. Mm. And I think that's something that's quite valuable. Honestly, because I think a lot of engineers and even the, the way we're taught, I don't know how to say this in a in a brief way, but I feel like in the economics <laughs> or in most degrees, you're taught like what's realistic. Like I don't know, you're given the budget and it's like, what can you do with this money? Mm. Whereas in engineering, it's like come up with the maddest solution ever and then figure out later <laughs> if it's <laughs> if it's it. within your budget. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel that way of thinking, even though it never works in real life. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. It's this true. It's pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having all these mad ideas right now about like doing a podcast in space or something, but make sure we'll you write down day. so you know. You know, you got to keep you got to keep a, a list of your dreams so that you can get there one day. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, man, turn dreams into goals and then achieve that. <laughs> but yeah, man, uh, I, I realized you said you have like an hour and a half. You said so. Yeah, man. Great having you on. It's nice to finally get this sorted. <laughs> <laughs> finally finally have a chat on the air um yeah no man it was really it was really good to chat to you and just to get my message out there maybe inspire some younger generations <laughs> yeah man if there's any closing remarks you got to make now's your time um do well try your best and uh you know be successful <laughs> <laughs> yeah and don't don't break glass of your head that's it yeah don't put your head through any windows that's a bad thing to do <laughs> yeah not for the window but for your head <laughs> <laughs> yeah man